What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Bonus level. Bonus level. So I sat down with Lucas, and we were talking about our interview with Chris, and we weren't really able to share a lot of the interview. We took a good hour and uh, sat there and just jibber-jabbed about video games and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we, we thought it's such a good, great interview uh, with him and just being able to uh, sit down and, and speak with him. Uh, you know, we're going to throw up a bonus episode right now. Here is the full interview with Christopher Laporte. And welcome back to Land Parties, guys. We've got a very special guest with us. I am joined today by Chris Laporte. If you are at all involved in the Las Vegas esports scene, chances are you've heard Chris's name at one point or another. And he's here gracing us with his presence to talk uh, a lot of local esports stuff. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for the unbelievably kind uh introduction there very overdone but <laughs> i'll take it where i can get it thank you sir chris why don't you share just in case you know people are being introduced to you for the first time how you came to be involved um so long story as short as possible in 2005 i moved to las vegas um and i went to my first evo tournament uh, i believe that was at station casinos it was green valley ranch it was in their ballroom mm-hmm. um always a big fighting game guy loved the arcades growing up um, was a part of the Evo community ever since I stepped foot in Las Vegas. Uh, at the time, I was in medical device sales, doing orthopedic surgery work, so it was a different world. Uh, in 2011, I said, hey, let's make a video game bar and just kind of chase my dream. Uh, remember walking to Oscar Goodman, the mayor at the time, saying, you know, Las Vegas is the city of entertainment, but you guys are missing a key component here, and I want to bring this video game bar to the city. Um, we had that running for five years, um, as insert coins had its moment in Las Vegas, the esports world was really starting to percolate. Uh, and you know, I just was always on my, my soapbox. It's like, Hey, this is big. There's eyeballs on this. There's people watching, you know, at the time I was in my late thirties and like, I, and I'm still playing video games today. I'm 42. Uh, but you know, to really watch the growth of esports, you know, working with the Nevada esports Alliance, just the community that I you know, worked with within the insert coins world and the people who I met over those years, I just never stopped putting my time into the scene because I just believed in it. Did you always have an eye on being involved in the esports scene? So only because I was always playing in arcades, you know, like the, the Evo tournament. Uh, and, you know, I, we kind of touched on it earlier, like what is esports with the I'm doing my air quotes. <laughs> Um, and, you know, while the FGC is, for me, competitive gaming, um, yeah, I, I believe that there's a market clearly because, number one, I have fun doing it. I see so many other people having fun doing it. I saw money get exchanged at insert coins from people playing each other, so they were betting on it. So like, hey, these sports. Um, you know, and then on top of that, just to see League of Legends and Dota and Counter-Strike go, 
you know, the, the main staples of esports to get more and more awareness in the states, I said, oh, okay, wait a minute. This is a thing. You know, when, when you saw League of Legends at Madison Square Garden in 2013, maybe, you'll say, hey, okay, I'm not the nerd that everyone thinks I am. Now am I? And then to see those events come to Las Vegas, you know, we had League of Legends here. We had a dream hack here. And I'm excited that it's here. And just the more that I get an opportunity to talk to, you know, new faces who are in the scene, it's just like, hey, I've been doing this for a really long time. I believe in your crazy idea. Let's get this done. But I'm also going to be the one that says, but let's keep it in perspective and let's get to this goal properly. You know, I know a lot of people loved intercoins. I loved intercoins. To go from that a little more to the consulting side, was that a pretty easy transition? Yeah, it was. And I'll tell you how easy it was. Uh, after intercoins closed, it was two months later, Pokemon Go came out. And when that game came out, I was making phone calls. Like, all right, you know, I got to find some new hustles and some side gigs. And all of a sudden, I was getting phone calls. Hey, hey, hey. So this video game thing you're talking about, my casino just became a Pokemon stop. How do I do this? And I was like, hold on, slap a name on the thing, reset your expectations on gaming, reset your understanding of video games, reset consulting. And yeah, then after that, it just became a, you know, let's show the city of Las Vegas how to really capture this market. And more, most importantly uh, is to, you know, and, and I say this a lot, and if, I'm not afraid to say it, is that you have to do this the right way. And if you're coming at this from the wrong direction, uh, I mean, it's just not going to work. And Vegas is a city of what I like to call mass adoption. When something is mainstream, it's big. But if something's growing to something, it's a really challenging city to capitalize off of. But um, the more I got to talk with different casinos and, you know, again, I like to bring up the Nevada Esports Alliance a lot because it helped us really start having conversations with multiple facets of Las Vegas where it was, oh, this isn't just that thing I heard about. Now I kind of understand just how much is involved in it. You know, speaking of the Nevada Esports Alliance, I know uh, talking to Seth a lot with them, uh, something I, he I hear a lot from them is making sure that everyone's having the same conversation at the same time. How big is it to have that conversation all together rather than have it all be that fragmentation? I mean, it's, it's, it's still in development, you know? I mean, how many esports conferences have been in town now, right? Like how many... Uh, esports events have come to town and may not come back because, you know, we still haven't quite found that footing as to everyone's on the same page. But at least there's more people listening. And that's what's exciting. You know, before it was just five or six people saying esports is huge because look what Riot said in that Inc. magazine where they're company of the year. So esports, where now it's okay. You know, we've seen Activision Blizzard have their somewhat of a stumble. We have seen, you know, uh, events come to Vegas, like H1Z1 that came in. I'm pretty sure no one wants to even bring that point up that it came and went. So at least now there's a lot of good people with the experience and have kind of seen that it's not just throw money at it and it'll work. It's find the right people in the city, find the people who know the right people outside of the city and work as a community, which is a word that has been forgotten about as of late, and then esports can continue to grow. You know, you mentioned it before, Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world, at least it likes to call itself that. Is there, you know, what are the inherent advantages to a city like Las Vegas in terms of esports? And are there some disadvantages that are unique to Las Vegas that other cities don't have to deal with? Yeah, you know, I would think, you know, and let's start with the positives is that everyone knows Las Vegas. You know, um, the other thing is that Las Vegas just has so much exposure. 
you know, you can do a great event, which is happening right now in esports in cities like Atlanta or uh, just San Jose, just different cities that have a strong tech community, which is what makes those cities very strong because you have a inherently um, just involved community when, oh, we produce video games here too. You know, so of course there's going to be an esports scene. But to come to Vegas and do that, you know, then it's exciting. You know, our esports arena is really big. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter what your size is and your shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Ryan, I've tried some of these shirts. It is a godsend. Let me tell you something. There is nothing worse than being in that meeting and (laughs) realizing that your shirt has somehow come untucked, and then it just looks awkward as heck. I love these shirts. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your perfect fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off. And there's, you know, a lot of things to do that is not just video games. So people will want to come for that. And then more importantly, what makes it advantageous from my perspective is the validation, right? Like I think a lot of people are saying esports needs to be a sport to be esports. Well, maybe not. Maybe it just needs to be the spectacle and the exhibition and the performance to be something that Vegas can make it to be. You know, I, I like to make the joke that we just had the Golden Tee tournament at the Orleans, I want to say around six months ago. And all I heard was, that's a bar game. That's who plays that? I'm like, it's competitive. It's a video game. It's esports because the people are here to enjoy themselves. And then I'll cut to people were betting on it. So there's a real opportunity in Vegas to take just a bar game. And then it's a giant circuit tournament. And there's all these new growth that's coming from it because it happened in Las Vegas. It's not necessarily going to happen in, like I said, San Francisco. Right. Now, the disadvantages is, you know, the reality is cost. The city of Las Vegas uh, has become kind of expensive for, you know, an esports event because let's just be real about it. We watch esports on Twitch for free. There's a lot of things that we do that don't cost very much, and we play with microtransactions and spend $10 here on DLC. And that's, you know, those are costs that we find value in that's not that much. But I remember when Evo even charged $50 for the Evo Finals for the first time three or four years ago, and the internet exploded. How dare (laughs) you? And, you know, it was a learning process. It was normalization. It was growth, and it became something. But at the same time, hotel rooms can be expensive, and you see three or four people shacking up in one hotel room because it's still kind of a young crowd. But, you know, as we see more of a maturation of the scene, I do think we'll see, you know, some more of an understanding from the casino to say, all right, let's kind of create the better mousetrap and, you know, just do things that are a little bit more 
um, just a little financially reasonable because it's expensive to come to Vegas. You know, one thing that that fascinates me is, you know, every city has those community places that build the grassroots at the grassroots level. You know, what makes Las Vegas unique is they think of the strip. And what do you think of the balance of the kind of big budget, you know, go for broke spectacle stuff that the uh, these big companies will want to do and how that can balance along with the, the community centers off the strip? I always go back to the fact, and I'm very lucky that I fell into the fighting game community just because I grew up on Street Fighter 2, right? I look at my son. He's into Fortnite. He's nine years old, so don't make fun of him, whoever's listening. <laughs> it's, he's, he's good. <laughs> and now I'm a sports dad. Like, my son's great. But the reason why I make that, you know, kind of joke is that I grew up in the arcades, and there was a very strong community-based thing. Today, what's fascinating is I'm watching my nine-year-old son have his own community online as well. They're the kids that he goes to school with, and he has this time where he's talking on his, you know, on online. I didn't have that when I was growing up, right? So where these communities being built is what's really the better question, because they're being built online. And our, we do have great local spots, and I always, you know, tip my hat to Press Start Gaming because, you know, those are my people. Mm-hmm. And there is value for them because they help to bring that authenticity that is so missing from these larger, larger than life, throw money at it, make it a big spectacle. But it doesn't really resonate because it's not, you know, the people that we've put all these years in. And at the same time, there's a younger crowd that they don't understand this at all because they only know Twitch. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a fascinating observation when we look at where's esports 10 years from now, is esports 20 years from now, is it the grassroots of efforts? Of course it is. But I do think that we're overlooking just how much is happening just online and this, the normalization of the socialization of like these video game communities. I didn't talk about Street Fighter to everyone in school growing up. Right. There, everyone's talking about video games in school today. You just did an event uh, where there's a what a hundred some hundred thirty high school kids came out. Yeah, yeah. The Silver State Smash uh, on Saturday had a hundred and and I think I just brought up the numbers. One hundred forty five is their official official count there, and all high school students. You know, locally, we do have a pretty thriving uh, esports community, I would say. You know, you just mentioned it this past weekend. Any any particular weekend, there's going to be tons of events out there. And you you do look at an event like the Silver State Smash, you know, aimed at high school students, almost 150 people out there. You know, what do you see? What do you think when you see these events and seeing the health of of these events that are going on? No, I, I mean, I think it's amazing. In 2005, when I came to Las Vegas, the only thing that was happening was Evo. I'm sure there are other things happening, but it was things that were, you know, grassroots. It was just communities coming together. Now we have, you know, big money saying, let's hold this thing and do this thing and see what this thing can do. And it's very, it, it, for me, it means everything because, again, there's the normalization of my son growing up in a world and your daughter growing up, you know, in a world where being a gamer is really just awesome. You know, and we don't even have to get into the esports side of it. You know, that's that's the hyper competitive version of it. Great. That's not yet where I, in my personal opinion, I don't believe that that's where the rest of the states is right now. 
But it's really close if you're getting 130 kids at an esports arena in a casino and this thing is happening. And it's not just happening in Vegas, right? I mean, how many other cities are seeing thriving high school and college esports teams? Awesome. I'm all about it. We are just always going to make sure that Las Vegas has its flag planted as we're the best place to do it. You know, we hear a lot about the the potential and the growth and a lot of the positives there. What's the biggest danger? What what are you most scared of seeing esports head down that might kind of stall some of the progress we're seeing? I think it's happening right now, and I'm so happy it's happening. Like I'm literally on the sidelines cheering on the absolute destruction, like in Fight Club, right, where you're watching <laughs> that building come down. Um, just the Overwatch League, right? You know, it, it, if this if this is no longer seen as you know, twenty five million dollars for an esports team is worth every penny. Most gamers, people in this room knew, yeah, probably not, right? It's just, it was just way too much money being thrown at it for this runway to one day being something. Now, do I get upset about it? No, I'm glad it happened because it, again, validates what we've been trying to do for so many years. And that much money coming into it did allow for a mistake like that to make, right? So some people don't get a second chance because of how much money came into it thanks to Maybe some pretty shysty perspective, you know, papers on how much money esports will make for everyone. But wow, thank you that it happened because maybe Overwatch League doesn't succeed, but I'm watching Call of Duty this weekend. And wow, that's a pretty strong coming out the gates. Is it still worth 25 million? No, I don't think so. But it had a pretty strong, you know, coming out of the gates when it's not really seen as an esport per se, but maybe it's North America's esport because. I, then let me just like really word vomit. Um, in the past 10 years, seven of those 10 years, a Call of Duty title was the number one selling title. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That means there's a community out there. Maybe it's not as organized as some of the ones that we grew up around, but that means there's people out there who play. Mm-hmm. So I'm while I was frightened about, oh, no, if the Overwatch League falls apart, what are we going to do? It was, oh, wait, to the people who invested in that, that was pocket change. Like, yeah, here's some money. I have I own a football team and a baseball team. I'll do an esports team. Oh, it didn't work? Ah, don't worry about it. We'll put some more money into it until it eventually works. It's going to eventually work. I like it. I like it. You know, I know you're a busy guy, but what what's in your future this year? What, what are some projects that, that you're most excited about personally? So I'm most excited about the fact that, you know, the consulting work that we're doing, there's going to be some very cool events that I'm working on right now that we'll have announcements about soon. But that's for other people. Um, I'm really focused on 2020 is the return of insert coins. I want the reset lounge to come back um, to be a thing and the insert coins concept to come back. I saw it was tried to be people tried to copy it and it always missed the mark. And there's a lot of reasons why. And I'm not going to say why those reasons are. But if you're a gamer, you know why there's those reasons happen. And I'm just going to go back to authenticity, you know, is, is key and community is the other key. We built those things right from the ground up. And we're going to do it again with Reset, which I'm excited about. But until that time happens, I'm just really focused more on just putting more of a spotlight on not just esports, but the general gaming culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because I heard you guys love The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And The Last of Us 2 is coming out. And I can't tell you how many people I have presented that game to who never played a video game. And it's an easier sell now to go to a general person who doesn't normally even talk about it and say, Oh, I do have a PlayStation 4. Yeah, I'll try that out. Cool. Games like Journey, right? That, that's, that's my therapy. I had a bad day. Give me 40 minutes. I'm playing Journey. 
Then I tell people I do that, and it's no longer, oh, you're what? What are you talking? Oh, yeah, no, I had that. If I had that same thing happen to me. As more of these conversations happen, as video games are seen, we know how big the numbers are. That's cool. But as we start seeing it as art, as we start seeing it as, you know, the just just new ways of expressing and and kids being able to build their own games. I mean, the indie game scene, we didn't even touch on that. The indie game scene has proved how big this market is just going to continue to grow. And it's it's more I want to just keep pushing people who love video games as much as I do. I know I'm not the only one. I'm in this room with you three. Well, you two for a total of three. And we're everywhere. It's just we want I, I personally want to keep seeing more people have that conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to add right now, Chris? I just love what you guys are doing. And whoever is listening on the RJ, thank you for making this happen. It's vital that we have support from guys like you. It's such a big deal that I and I will Again, here's my soapbox. I was in front of the Las Vegas Review Journal. I was in front of the RJ2 probably some five or six years ago. And it's like, start talking about this. And I can't thank you guys enough because you guys are talking about this. Keep talking about this. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. And, and we'll love to talk soon. I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you.